So I'm so excited to have with me one of the smartest tech entrepreneurs I know, Oscar Gonzalez. He is a business owner. He is the founder of the dot-com lunch where I met him and also John Chow in person. And he just has so much insight on everything technology, business, and every time he has a Facebook comment, I kind of rush to read it. <laughs> I know it's either going to be funny or really sad for the person receiving, but I know it's always going to be smart. So uh, welcome, Oscar. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lynn. Yeah, so yeah. thanks so much for being here. So can you tell us what you do now? Sure. Um, well, as you know, we, we met through the dot-com lunch meetup that I run, and my main job, I'm sorry if I have kids here, let me try, close the door. Um, my main kids, job... Kids are awesome, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm self-employed, if you... But I really have a pretty relaxed job, and my job is, I'm a blogger and an internet marketer, so that's what I do. I've been self-employed for about seven or eight years now. And uh, I've switched a lot of different roles in, in all that time, but uh, that's what I do right now is I blog, I, I stay at home, I'm a stay at home dad, I stay, I stay here with the kids, and whenever they give me a little break, that's when I do my work, so. Awesome. It works out pretty well for everybody, yeah. Yeah, and then you bring your kids to the dot-com lunch lifestyle, and, you know, it's, it's just so much fun. So I love that. So uh, were you always wanting, you know, did you always have this, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to work online, or was it something that developed gradually? You know, yes, and I always had it, but I also didn't have it. You hear a lot of entrepreneurs today say, oh, you know, I've, this is in my DNA since I was this, and that's how I feel about it. I, the first money I ever made was washing cars when I was like six years old. Wow. I, I went out to help my uncle to wash his car and then he ended up paying me for it. And then I washed all the streets cars for all the neighbors <laughs> and I got all this money as a kid. So, but I never thought about being an entrepreneur until my mid twenties or after that. So I've always been entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. But I never really thought, like, there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, ever since I was, like, eight years old, I've been thinking about this and stuff. But um, I just didn't think about that. I was, I was brought up in a very entrepreneurial family. All my uncles, grandparents have businesses. But I was always taught to go the school route. Like, you have to go get a job, go into corporate and stuff. And, um, I mean, that's – I'll tell you more about my first business if you want to hear about that. But, yeah. Yeah, you said it was auto detailing. Yeah, I would love to yes. hear about that. So when I was uh, I was a teen, a teenager with my friends, we all got cars, and you know back then it was like the Fast and the Furious time with the movie, so everybody wanted to super their car. So naturally we did, and so my friends and I would spend hours cleaning our cars, and eventually that developed into we had all the equipment and materials to clean our cars professionally so I started doing it for other people and this was when I was maybe 17 or 18 years old and I ended up doing really well for myself with that uh, I mean as a kid I was making like 400 to 600 on Saturdays Wow! That's and you know I would do two cars it was amazing it was awesome and then what happened was um, my house caught on fire and uh, the whole garage burned down. That's where I kept all my stuff. And going back to what I mentioned before, I never thought about being an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is, I didn't have a business, a proper business set up. I didn't have insurance or any of that. And 
my whole family was going through some stuff at that time. And after the, the fire caught, it was like, okay, well, I have my day job, which was really great for somebody with no college degree at the time. I, I was working for a tech company with a lot of money. So the, the detailing was on, on the side and it was great. But everybody said, hey, you know, that now that it burned down, why don't you just focus on your job and go back to that and stuff. And I never started it back up. And sure enough, like six years later, there was this boom of auto detailing services. And I should have stayed there. But um, the main reason was it burned down and I never really rebuilt it because I had a really great job. And everybody said, you know, focus on the career. You have benefits. You have a great job. They love you over there. And I was making like almost six figures at the time. And so it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense. But I should have kept the detailing. So let that be a lesson. (laughs) Go, Go with your gut. Wow, that's such yeah. an interesting story. It's almost the opposite of what you do now, you know, because you help tech yes. entrepreneurs, you work from home, which I think is because I'm not a car person. I mean, I can't, I can't, but I just feel like it's it's such a better lifestyle you know, for you and your family as well. I think it's um, very much an envious thing. But what was it like being at a regular job? You know, I I loved it for the first, actually, I loved it until the last year and a half or two. And, the reason for that, I got lucky and I started working for a company that had a lot of funding and I worked my way up, basically. I worked in like the facilities area, which was basically managing the building, get, making sure everybody had their desk and computers and all that. And then as, as, I, as I showed that I was interested in computers and stuff and I was really good with them, I got moved into IT and eventually became support and manager and all that stuff. But it was great because the company had a lot of money and they were very, um, very supportive of me trying out new technologies. Like, Hey, you know, this just came out. I want to try this new server and they say, okay, well, ride the PO and let's buy it. So I would get to play with all this stuff and that was great. So I got all my education basically in those four or five years where I just got to play with all this technology. I was sent out to conferences we could hire experts to come in and teach us stuff. So it was great. Then, yeah, it was great. Uh, then the company, one of the downsides of having so much money was that they were spending a lot of money and <clears throat> the investors came back eventually say, Hey, we want our money back. And of course we didn't have all the money. We were spending all the money, like, like the dot com lunch. I mean like the dot com <laughs> uh, boom, you know, like spend, yeah. spend, spend and show and show. And so the major investors, like it was IBM, uh, Aero Electronics, big companies basically say, no, we want our stuff back. And if you don't have it, we're just going to take the company. And they took over the company and I left. Um, and I went to another company with some coworkers from there. And that was also pretty good because they were, they had a good business model and they were doing great. So I got to learn more stuff, but um, I kind of worked myself out of a job. And that was the part where it sucked. I started optimizing my my workflow and making things. I love automation, so I would automate anything I could. We had this, we built this little um, uh, medical device for hospitals and nurses to talk to each other. It's kind of like just to pass information. And it would take us like two days to build one of these from scratch. Like it's a server basically. And I got to a point where I could build one in one hour just by automation. And so that was great. I mean, I didn't get fired or anything. It was, you know, I got more stuff. But eventually, all this stuff got to be so boring 
because it was the same stuff every single day. And, you know, if I didn't go to work, nothing, nothing would break. And if I was at work, there was nothing happening. So I got bored with it. And at the same time, I was doing kind of a side business. So one of my clients was saying, hey, why don't you come work for us? And so that was kind of why I quit my day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, day-to-day jo job and went to do everything for myself full-time. Wow. Did you experience anything different from moving from a full-time job to um, your own business? Yes. That was, uh, you know, you said it's great that I work from home and stuff, but uh, it has its drawbacks. And one of them, I was very excited about this and I gave my notice on my job because I really liked the people there. So I gave like a six week notice. Everything was great. And I went to work for the other company. I was kind of doing both at the same time. And once it, I cut over, I was there. And a week later, they fired me. Wow. So that sucked. That was like a slap in the face. Like, hey, I just gave up my four and a half or five year job to come work for you. And now you fire me. And then it was, it was kind of a wake up call because I trusted the owners and they had all this like good ideas. And, but once I got into it, they didn't want to implement any because they didn't want me to disrupt anything. Like, Oh, well you can't do that yet. I'm like, well, this is why you hire me. You want, yeah. <laughs> you, you hire me to fix this stuff. And uh, they eventually, they let me go like seven days later. And that, at that point I had two choices. Like, go to you know kind of tail between my legs back to my old boss say gonna have my job back or finally jump in full-time to my business and that's what i did and the difference between having a regular job versus your own business is that there's no sick days there's no nobody to fall back on no support i mean you can have support but you pay for it and really you have to go out and do everything yourself, which is a, the biggest lesson I learned is that, you know, I, I worked on the very first company I told you about. I worked in all the departments. I worked in facilities. I worked with marketing, operations, development. And because I was so early in the whole company, everybody knew me. So I got bounced around. I got to learn a lot. And then I moved to this other company and I thought, okay, I know a lot better. And now I'm handling my own budget and my own projects, and it was great. And when I went to my own business, I thought, hey, you know what? I've had clients now for a few years on the side, and then I've been doing great at my job. I can do this. And the first thing that happened after I got fired from the last job is that nobody would hire me. I couldn't get anybody to buy my services for months. It was pretty bad. It was, it was terrible. I mean, I had all these invoices and paperwork and I would show everybody and I would come under, you know, other competitors' proposals. I knew my services were better. I had meetings where the owners would say, hey, we know you're better, but we're going with this guy. And I finally started analyzing why. And I asked two of the companies that I was working with to give me, if they could let, let me see the other company's proposal. And when I saw it, I, I laughed. I was laughing about it, but I also then realized something. My proposals were like eight to 10 pages long, super detailed. And this other company had a one page, half, like four bullet points proposal. And I'm like, how is that beating me? And what I, eventually I, I talked to one of my mentors and they, they started helping me and they said, well, they're selling the benefits to the company. Like how is the company going to be better served by them than by you? I was selling them all the technical specs and 
the people that make the decisions don't really know that and don't care. So that was the biggest lesson. And once I figure that out and I, I figure out how to do networking, uh, it all kind of turned pretty great after that. But it did take over a year to do that. It was, it was painful. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing this. Yeah. Yeah, because you're so successful now. I was actually a little bit shocked um, by that story. But I understand, you know, business owner myself as well, you know, learning how to sell, learning, you know, features versus benefits. It's super important. Um, yes. So um, the next thing is like, I actually started this podcast, you know, out of annoyance because I, I was sick of people saying, you know, immigrants are powerless, you know, uh, oh. we need stuff given to us. And then I was like, you know what, screw that. You know, we're CEOs of our companies just like you, you know, um, you came over from Mexico to the USA and then you're you know living the life so can you take us back to the beginning like what was it like growing up for you and moving to a different country <clears throat> sure um well how back how far back should i go um <laughs> uh up to you um, well, i had a i had a pretty good upbringing and i thought it was always great until i became an adult and i realized that we were actually very um, I don't want to say poor because we weren't, but we, my, my mom, uh, my, my parents got divorced when I was really young, but my mom did a lot for me and I didn't really realize it until later. She kept pretty much all the problems hidden from me. So that was nice. I got to go to a private school, but then I realized later on I was there on a scholarship and stuff like that. Um, and excuse me a second, go over there, buddy, go over there. Uh, but I had a very big supportive family and uh, we moved around a lot and that kind of gave me a, a lot of different perspectives. We moved from Mexico City to the beach and, you know, going from a super urban place to a coastal, pretty, pretty much rural spot. Ollie, go over there, please. Excuse me a second. No, no worries. This is what's awesome about online businesses, guys. You know, if you want to spend time with your family, that's the best type of business you want to start for sure. So I want you guys to know that if you want, you know, a family and a career, absolutely possible. It is. Yes, it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And most of the time it works. You get a little interruption like this, but you can't really complain. This is, yes. you know, it's, it's part of it. Um, but so I got to learn a lot and, all throughout that, I got exposed to the business. Like my grandparents had a commercial laundry business. So they would pick up all the hotel's laundry, basically. And we had this huge warehouse. So I got to see how that worked and employees and all that. Um, and my life was pretty great as far as I understand it. Uh, you know, as far as I understood it then. And I can't really complain there. But uh, my mom eventually met somebody. And he had his own business, but he happened to be an American. And so we, our life, our, our life changed quite a bit then, but then the Mexican currency devaluated, um, you know, it's a big long thing where they basically dropped three zeros off of it. So if you had a million, pesos, oh my God. you now had a hundred thousand, um, because it was so out of control and stuff. And at that point, my stepdad's business kind of crashed. And so we moved up here. And that was when I was 15 and my entire life changed. I did not want to come here. I was basically, I was begging my uncles, my grandparents to keep me there. Like, no, I want to live with you. And of course, you know, my parents wouldn't have any, any of that. And um, 
about three weeks in, once I was here, I didn't want to go back. So I loved it right off the bat. It was, uh, I, we moved into a pretty nice neighborhood with, and I don't mean nice, like it was a, like a physically nice neighborhood, but everybody was so welcoming. The day that we moved in, the neighbors came over and uh, introduced themselves to us. And I made friends with the, the kid that was my age, basically. And so he was my friend throughout high school. Kind of like helping me learn this stuff, uh, how, how things work pretty much. Uh, it was great. Um, and all throughout that, I was doing little, little side businesses. Uh, you know, I, I did some of the car washing. I, I went around the neighborhood and tried to do little chores around the house and stuff for people. So I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, moving here was difficult at first. Um, I was on ESL for about six months. So for those of you guys watch, I mean, I'm sure most of your audience knows what that is. But um, after that, the teacher, I'm very thankful for this, but the teacher said, you, you shouldn't be here anymore. And I wanted to stay on there because it was comfortable. But they say, if you don't move out to normal classes, you're not going to like wrap up and learn proper English. Uh, so she kind of kicked me out of the program. Uh, <laughs> So I was, it was pretty good that she did that because, you know, within a few months after that, I picked up everything else. And uh, a big part of me adjusting to the culture is were movies. I love movies, so I would watch movies. Uh, that's one of the things I tell everybody that comes here that says, oh, you know, it's so hard for us as immigrants. And it is actually not hard for us. It's harder for Native Americans or, you know, Native U.S. citizens to start a business because they have never been exposed to the difficulties that we have. You know, a lot of us as immigrants come from either underdeveloped countries or outright third world countries. And we are, I think by... By that, we are used to a lot more adversity than somebody that's, that grows up, say, in Irvine, like we live in Irvine or Newport Beach. You know, they say, oh, my life is so hard. It's like, you don't know hard. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to have to wash your, like, school uniforms the night before by hand, by yourself, because your parents are working on their third job. And then you haven't had dinner. So that's hard, you know. But coming here, they complain about anything that's – it's just not hard we and then if you look at all the immigrant stuff that we have in our favor like you know there's programs that benefit immigrants over citizens and I personally think that's unfair for somebody but for somebody to come to this country and say that is hard or unfair or it's not really easy for us to do it's they're just been lied to or deluded or they haven't looked into the actual options that they have so yeah. i love that that's that's a great like i i'm just gonna take that sound bit because it's so true yeah that's why i think uh, the statistics say that uh it's four times as likely for an immigrant to become a millionaire than a native born and this is not against americans at all this is just it's not. you can come from anywhere yeah so on the on this topic um what annoys you what annoys me oh <laughs> man <laughs> you know my Obviously, I think you already mentioned my website is not a grouch. Topic. Yes. <laughs> not yeah. a grouch, meaning I'm supposed to be kind of this happy-go-lucky person. And I'm, for the most part, I am. But um, 
I do have a lot of pet peeves, but it all depends on what we're talking about. But one of the things that annoys me the most is uh, playing victim. You know, when somebody somebody claims that they've been victimized when they haven't, that's annoying. Uh, when they blame somebody else for their problems or their situation, that's one of the most annoying things. And I, I mean, I've walked out of meetings because people said that. I've hung up the people, I've hung, hung up the phone on people because they say, "Oh, it's such so and so's fault." It's like, no, it's there's it, nobody else's fault but yours. If somebody comes into your business and robs you and steals all their your computers and everything, yes, they kind of screwed up with you. They screwed up all your stuff. But if you didn't have a backup of all your financials and all your business, then that's your fault. I mean, that's just – so I hate victim mentality, and I hate, you know, it's really annoying when people say that that somebody that the man is going to get them, you know, like they can't do it because uh, s- systematic oppression and all that stuff. I, I just don't, don't buy into it. I'm, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with so-called racism, but so have my white friends and my Asian friends. Everybody gets that because there's always going to be some jerk somewhere that treats you or mistreats you because they have a power trip. And all you have to do is literally sidestep them and keep going. You know, in business, we call those, there's, there's a lot of people that are gatekeepers that their sole job is to prevent you from accessing whatever it is behind them. Those are the same type of people that are racist or bigots. And all you have to do is ignore them and move past them. Uh, as simple as that. There's, there's no way to go about it. That's great advice for sure. So um, a lot of people watching are also like brand new business owners or they've never done things online. Maybe they're like mm-hmm. they're wanting to, but they're scared. What advice would you give to newbie business owners? Huh. Well, there's a lot, but uh, I would say with, I would start with, start doing what you need to do to get income. So there's a lot of people that get, first, they're already bought into the idea that they should have a business and their dream is there. Hopefully they have a vision, but then they get caught up into, for example, a business plan and they spend two months creating a business plan. And then they say, well, I need to rent an office. And they spend three weeks looking for the perfect office and all this minutia of stuff that just doesn't, at the end of the day, they're, they're three months into it and they haven't generated, generated a single dollar. The very first thing that you should do is get somebody to pay you for your business or your service. For example, in almost every city I've looked into, you have anywhere from 60 days to 120 days to file a business license. From the moment you start doing business until you until that time, you have all this time to file that. So it's not a priority. You can have a logo, but a logo is going to cost you $800, $2,000. So it's not a priority. You just need your name on a piece of letterhead and a way for people to pay you. And if that's writing you a check, or sending you a PayPal payment, then do that. And start telling people that you have a business and what you can do for them. That's number one advice is to start making money. Otherwise, you're going to get caught into all this preparation and stuff to think about and plan for and all this 
there's a lot of stuff that people plan for that never ever happens and you, so much time is wasted on that and then they look back and say oh, I don't have any money and then because you haven't made any money activity so focus on what I call IGAs income generating activities that's a pretty common advice excuse me one second but this is great advice guys if you're listening to it I hope you're taking notes because just from what he said in that one sentence you can start making money and you can you know I don't know maybe you like save a bunch of time filing the LLC because you don't even need an LLC you can just be a sole proprietor and they'll take care of the taxes you know at the at the end if you don't even make uh, above a certain amount so yeah that was great advice um, yeah thank you. yeah just uh, basically start making money focus on income activities and as you grow as you make a little bit of money then focus on stuff that you need not stuff that you want mm -hmm. so you need a website you need a phone line of course you need an invoicing system those are things that you need what you don't need is a fancy letterhead a fancy color coded you know logo branded everything like that can come in later once you have enough clients that you can take some time away and say oh you know what i can pay a designer for a proper branding package and that could be that could be six weeks into it or six months or one year but the number one thing the number one reason people businesses fail is because they don't generate revenue and that's mm -hmm. it they should focus on generating revenue and i have you know tips about how to do that right away but Basically, if you don't do that, you you die. That's it. The yeah. whole purpose of being in business is to make money, not to get investment as some of the current culture. <laughs> oh, you know, I just got a million dollars on investment. It's like, no, you just sold yourself for a million dollars. Now you have to pay it back. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Money. That's true. Yeah, making money is above everything. I don't... I still don't have a logo. I'm, I'll, I'll have a logo for the show, but yeah, it didn't make... It didn't prevent me from making money, so that's exactly advice. Yeah, and you you could literally make a logo with you know, take your dinner to your desk and make a logo in an hour at your computer. That's good enough. That's all you <laughs> yeah. need to start it. Yeah, exactly. If you have to have one. That's all you need. You know, yeah. you don't need to spend weeks on it and get all this psychology and colors behind it because you also don't even know anything about your business yet. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I love you said psychology of colors because I know people like that who are like oh, literally yeah. studying everything. And I can't blame them because we're taught, you know, from school, you have to learn everything before you get started. But exactly. no, you can just start now. So I love that you brought that up. Um, so, okay. So my next question is around this whole podcast. You know, we totally look different and we're from different ethnic backgrounds. But I love the fact that, you know, we can talk about our, you know, cultural roots. So do you feel like, if there are any, do you feel like there are any advantages or disadvantages um, as a Mexican immigrant coming to the U.S. and then starting your business? Um, yes, I feel like there's a lot of advantages. I have not used them, but I know there are. You know, we can start with affirmative action from school part. It's like we are favored to join school over somebody that's different from us. That's one. There's government programs that help you start a business if you are a person of color if you're a woman if you're a minority there's special assistant built assistance built for you that my friend that's was born here and is white or you know native to the u.s doesn't have access to so there's definitely things that help us um 
as a Mexican uh, immigrant, I have the advantage that there's a whole, you know, millions of people that identify with me because I'm Mexican and they have a big spending power, you know, big spending power. But, you know, I, I treat everybody the same as far as that goes. So generally speaking for everybody, yes, there's advantages for us. It doesn't mean I've used them because, you know, I just, I focus on my business and serving whoever I need. But there's definitely a lot of uh, advantages, services, assistance that will get people started that favor people of color. You know, I hate using that term, but it kind of yeah, it works for what I'm trying yeah. to say. Uh, so yeah, that's, I definitely think there's big advantages. I love that. And I think every guest I've asked kind of has a different perspective. So it's interesting to kind of, Oh, I'll have to go back and listen to the other ones. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and you, you know, you, you know, a beautiful wife, you have two beautiful children and I, you know, read on your website that, you know, part of your core values also, you know, um, you know, having a, you know, happy family. So can you tell us like for those of us listening, maybe they, um, they want to be a stay-at-home dad, but they don't know how to make it happen, or they have some conflicts about having both, you know, a successful um, career and a successful family. What would you say to them? Well, it's it's definitely tough. Um, you have to deal. For example, right now, you know, there's been a couple interruptions. Uh, <laughs> my son was just taking this and spraying it all over the oh, place. What is that? Is that hairspray? He decided to spray it. I heard it. (laughs) So there's definitely challenges. And if you want to start a business and stay at home with your kids, you have to make sure that your business supports that. For example, I can do my work at any time. I can do my work from four in the morning till six when they wake up. I can do a little bit when they take a nap. I can do some of the work later in the evening. And my clients, I only have a few clients now, but most of my work is done independently of anybody. I can write my blog posts and set them to publish at any time. I don't have to worry about it. If you have a business where you have to service, you know, some sort of industry, most industries work on an eight to five schedule. So you have to plan around that and having kids interrupt you or be part of your, you know, every moment, it's not acceptable for a lot of clients. A lot of clients, you know, they want to be able to call you and you have to pick up the phone. There's no call me back or anything. It's like you call, when I call you, I expect you to pick up the phone, not to be changing a diaper. So it's very difficult. When I first started, I was doing a lot more service-based engagements. I I was doing a lot of web design and SEO for smaller companies. And one of them I went to interview with I actually brought my daughter. This is before my son was born. And I brought my daughter to the interview first. And it was great. You know, the person loved, loved the, the baby. And she, she even com- commend me on how I brought my daughter everywhere. So oh, that's great. You know, by, by the way, the original was going to be that I would come in twice a week to their office to do the work there. And I said, you know, she's going to be with me when I do that. She said, oh, no, no problem, no problem. I said, okay, great. It was one of the biggest engagements I had at the time. It was like, maybe like three or $4,000 a month to go and do some work there two days a week. Perfect. I would go there the first day and somebody came over and was like, Oh, I didn't know you were going to have your baby. I said, Oh yeah, you know, she's, she goes with me, whatever. And then about an hour later, somebody else came to talk to me about it. Oh, you know, but you know, can you just not bring her tomorrow? I said, well, that was part of the deal. Like she's going to be with me. 
And so they're like, oh, I don't think that's very professional. I said, well, but that, we talked about it. And so I went to talk to the other lady. She's like, yeah, we talked about it. They had some beef about it. And uh, basically the next day I, I canceled that contract. I'm like, I'm not interested. You know, this is, you have to be ready to put your priorities where they, where you say they are. So my family came first at the, at, you know, for that. And I said, no, you know, this is what we agreed on. And I told you up front that that was going to be the case. And so they just didn't like the fact that I had a baby there. She wasn't loud or anything. She was just a, like, she was still in a little. so well behaved, which is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so basically the advice is make sure that your job allows for it or that you make arrangements for it. Going back to making money, focus, for example, on making enough money on a daily basis. That allows you to then budget for a babysitter or somebody to, to pay for and say, hey, can you come over for four hours in the morning to my house and watch my kids? And that's going to cost you, I don't know, $15 an hour, $20 an hour. So one of your goals is make that money for that day at least so then, then you can pay for that and then spend all that time making more money. Um, you just have to plan around it and keep yourself flexible. But that's why I went with online marketing and blogging because it allows me to do it wherever I, wherever I go, you know? Yeah. I would do groceries today with the kids and uh, I had to reply to a few emails. I did it from my phone, so it's no problem. And, but the kids were with me. Uh, they're gonna nap in a couple hours and that's when I do the bulk of my work. And then when they wake up, we'll go to the pool or go outside and stuff. But I made my business work that way. So I, I don't settle for things that are going to break into that, even though at the beginning it was, it was hard. Like, oh, you know, I really need that contract, but it's not paying me enough to cover everything. So I had to put it, put it aside. Instead of trying to compromise what I wanted, I had to say no to some things and work for other projects that would actually work with me. Yeah. I'm so great. I'm so glad you, you know, shared your story because I think a lot of uh, maybe fathers from previous generations, they feel like, you know, we're going to work to death to provide for your family, but they maybe neglect the emotional, just spending time aspect of it. So I'm really glad that you were able to, you know, find both of that uh, balance. So that is great. Um, and we actually met through the dot-com lunch uh, meetup. So can you tell us like, how did you, yeah, how did you meet John Chow? How do you connect and how did you meet with all these entrepreneurs um, locally? And we're in Southern California. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on networking. Yes, sure. Um, you know, when I mentioned earlier that my business pretty much failed when I first started it, like nobody would buy my products or service. Somebody told me, hey, you need to start networking. And I thought, well, what is, I mean, what does that even mean? And I was already into social networks, but I was, into social networks just like I was into any other website online because I was a geek, you know, I was on, on all these websites since like early 2000s. So I was already on Twitter, on Facebook and Friendster and whatever, MySpace. But somebody said, no, you can actually meet people in person and start, you know, networking with that. So I found a meetup that was called, that's called Social Media, uh, SMMOC, Social Media Mastermind, Orange County. They're not very active anymore, but for a few years, it was like the best social media meetup ever. It was every Saturday, you and 50 people that were there. We all talk about social media and how to network, how to do business, you know, the latest and greatest in social media. And 
I learned a lot from that as far as business goes and also relating to other people because having worked in corporate all the time, I didn't really know how to be, uh, I guess, empathetic or sympathetic to people. Like I was like, why don't you just Google that? (laughs) And I I had to learn that a lot of people don't want to Google stuff or they just want somebody to handhold them through the process. And that's a business opportunity. And a lot of people will tell you, Oh, well, why would you try to sell that? If you could just find it on YouTube or and it's for that reason, you know, people want to be helped and being around all those people taught me all the different perspectives that people have. And that just because we we're all technically savvy, like we can all Google stuff doesn't mean that we all know the same stuff. So networking is very important to complement everybody else's feature uh, abilities. So you can, you know, for example, I know that if I need some help with finding, uh, finding, you know, somebody to work for me, I can come to you because you know, so many people, you know, that I build websites and, I know somebody else that does other stuff and networking is the only way you're going to really establish those connections on a meaningful and trustworthy way. You know, you can, you can connect with people on LinkedIn all day long and Facebook, but once you see somebody eye to eye and shake their hands and you spend time with them in a room, the trust level goes through the roof or you also find out that they're not trustworthy, (laughs) but you can't see that stuff through an online meeting most of the time. So I highly recommend that people get involved with that. The easiest way to find that is go to meetup.com and look for whatever interest you're in. You know, if you're into making crafts, then go look for crafts groups. If you're into like financial, you know, uh, financial technology, there's groups for that. And going back to how I met John, that's exactly how I met John. We were at this meetup at the one I mentioned. And this is, this is why you go to meetups and also learn about your own industry. So I'm a blogger already at the time trying to make money online. And I come to the meeting late and there's this guy sitting in front of me blocking the view. And when I look to the side, I'm like, oh, I think that's John Chow. First time he's there. And then I asked my friends next to me, I'm like, is that John Chow? And nobody like, no, I don't know. And I look and I just to check, I go on his website and I look and he says, you know, he lives in Vancouver because that's where I knew. But I've already known him for like two or three years online. I'm like this, John Chow. So I interrupted the meeting and I say, hey, do you guys know everybody there is supposed to be wanting to make money? So anybody, you know, a lot of people should have known who he was, but nobody knew. So you should know to be on top of the, your game and understand who's who and who does what. So I... You know, I interrupted the meeting and then like, oh, why don't you come and introduce him? So I introduced him. I told people who he was and he basically, you know, did his own little introduction. And then we became friends right after that. I think he recognized that I was a little more serious than most people about it. And uh, we've been good friends ever since. And, you know, it helps that he lives like five minutes away. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I ended up doing a lot of work for him. And, uh, you know, yeah, we have lunch all the time. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. Like. I don't think I would be where I'm at if I hadn't met him because yeah, he, he knows a lot more than he actually puts out online is yeah. He's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. Cause I saw his testimonial of you and he spoke very, very highly of your work. So I just oh, wanted cool. to, you know, yeah, and you. yeah. And of course you filmed it, but, um, for, and he actually, his intro is, 
you know, something like my name is John Chow. It's an honor for you to know me or something. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, this is the thing. He, a lot of the times people say, oh, he's just kind of a, you know, egotistical jerk or something, but he's not because <laughs> he's just a really good at branding himself and yeah. being controversial. Yes. You know, he, uh, he, that's his, like, that's where he thrives. Yeah. And yeah. if you, if you get past, if you give him five minutes past that, you, your life can be changed because he's just good. But yeah, he's, uh, he's one of the pioneers on making money with a blog. I mean, if you go to any blog right now, any blogger usually you say, Oh, you know, get a free blog, click here and I'll build a blog for you for free. He's the one that started that. Uh, there's tons of stuff that he started that people don't even realize that, that, you know, they go back to what he did. Uh, and yeah, he, he kind of, he, the one thing that he taught me related to what you just said is that if you don't promote yourself, nobody else will. So you, that's why he does that. You know, he's, you know, like he has a t-shirt that says, I'm John Chow, bitch, or whatever. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because when we go to events in Vegas for yeah. affiliate stuff, that sure gets us into parties. <laughs> People know if you're... It. Yeah, if you are with John, you can get in. It is great. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's hilarious. So, let's talk about your website because um, your website is not a grouch. Yes. So, for, I don't know if it's for, you know, you're an SEO guy. You obviously know about keywords. Like, what made you decide on that name? Um, I, I picked that name well, well, a long time before I knew or did anything with SEO. And it really started as a personal blog. Okay. <laughs> and the, the name behind that is because I get really into my work. So when you ask me about something, I really want to answer it completely and tell you stuff and help you understand it to a level where I understand it. And uh, people used to think that I was just mad. Like, why? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not mad. I just, I'm, I'm trying to answer. And this happened at work. And it happened even afterwards. Like, hey, like you're, like you need to calm down basically people would say just come down I'm just asking you a question and so the reason is like I'm not grouchy I'm just telling you exactly how much I love this stuff and how much it should work so that's how the name came about uh, and I I start changing my social media to match so I have Facebook not a grouch Twitter not a grouch tons of my social media presence is not a grouch and when I go to meetups or to events, people know me by not a grouch first. So I've thought about changing it because of SEO and branding, but at the same time, people know that name more than they know Oscar. So I think I'm going to leave it for now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's just genius. I, I was just curious that's about the backstory. That's hilarious because yeah, that's it. When, when I see you comment, like you're very thorough, you know, and I can see why people think you might be mad, but you're just yeah. very passionate about the topic. And whoever like doesn't have a point, they will be destroyed by you. Like <laughs> I've seen that. Well, I make a point. Yeah, you made a comment to me the other day, like, oh, your hobby is uh, trolling or something. And it's, you're it's the not, troll master. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I like trolling. It's that I only comment when I know what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, and if I don't know, I'll be very clear and I'll ask questions. Even though people think I'm trolling them with a question, I'm, if you see me asking a question, it's 100% genuine. Like, I really want to know what I'm asking. And people don't take it seriously. But when I answer a comment, I want to make sure it's not ambiguous at all. I want to make sure that what I'm saying is clear 
So that's why I make, you know, complete comments. And sometimes, yeah, it comes across like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't back down unless you can prove to me, you know, I'm very much about facts over feelings. So if a, if, if a fact says something and it goes against what I think, I'll, I'll switch my thinking to that. But I expect other people to do the same. And, you know, I will not back down from the truth, basically. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, if you want to check it out, you know, add him on Facebook, check out his comments. Very insightful all the time. <laughs> um, okay, so can you tell us more about, like, maybe some of your favorite client stories? What were some of the results you've gotten them? What were, like, because, like, you know, when people are losing weight, like, you know, before and after. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, tell us more about your client stories. Uh, sure. Well, the most notable is John, you know, uh, I built his website and within a couple of, not his main website, but a project website within a couple of uh, weeks he was generating 10,000 a month from that. Um, now he's gone on to generate about 120,000 a month from that. So it's pretty cool. Um, I helped right now. I'm working with a 78 year old lady. Uh, she's a, she lives in San Diego and we've been making money online. And so people tell me, Oh, I'm too old or too young, or I don't get it. She has no clue anything about technology. I mean, to the point where this morning, the email I told you I was replying to was me trying to get her to update her password. And it took about eight different emails for her to actually get me the password. Uh, but once you, you know, I, I help her with a lot of that stuff. And then I just tell her how to do things, what to do, and she's making money. And she's like 78 years old. Wow. And, I love this. Um, that's a good story. Um, I've helped. I have a friend in India. I have a couple of friends in India that I've motivated to change their life, and they have. And one of them started a business, and he is now getting proposals from U.S. companies that want to buy his company want to do partnerships and he was basically he just out of the blue found me on Facebook and said you know in very broken English uh, he says something like sir can you help me and so I'm like what do you want to help with like because I get this all the time and I you know I want to help people but at the same time a lot of people just want to they just want to take and take and take and they don't really do anything even if you help them with everything they end up not doing anything so I told this guy what to do and get back to me. And I didn't expect him to. And like a week later, he actually got back to me and started something. So I, I kind of been, I mentor him a little bit. And now he's running this business. He has hundreds of customers. It's an online service that uh, helps you set up part of a server for a website. It's pretty interesting. But um, yeah, he's doing great. So it's motivational for me to see that what I tell people actually works and helps. Um, it's really, really cool. When I, when I tell people what to do or how to do it and they take, they take it and run with it, um, that's very, that's my most rewarding like moments. Uh, I started uh, a few affiliate programs for other companies and now they're doing six figures or more, which is great. Um, my, that, I mean, I have testimonials and stuff, but those are really my most notable stories from now. I've made people move, you know, to another state to start a business. I didn't make them, but I motivated mm -hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times people tell me I should do more motivational over practical stuff, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy into it yet, but I do like to see results.
Yeah, and clearly you have a lot of great results just from those few stories. So, um, so tell us, how can we work with you? How can we connect with you? What's the next step to learning more? Well, um, you can always just go to notagrads.com, find the About page, and contact me if you have any questions. Um, I can help you start a business from scratch, profitable business. Uh, I can help you with your existing business. I can help you develop a website that would be profitable. Um, and I can just help you get out of a rut. Like if you've been doing a business for a few months or a year and you're kind of stuck or you plateaued, I help people with that. I also help brick and mortar businesses basically increase their profits by going online and leveraging all the online technologies for digital marketing without spending a whole lot more money. You know, brick and mortar businesses are very expensive as they are. Their overhead costs are tremendous. And so they're always afraid of having to do all that all over in the digital space. And that's not the case. With a fraction of the investment that they've done on physical, they can completely digitalize all their advertising and start bringing revenue with existing products that they have. A lot of people don't realize that they have so much intellectual property in their hands and they're just not using it. And you can just turn that into profits by putting it online in some way or another. And that's what I help people. That's my biggest expertise is making profits through the digital space. So find me at notagrouch.com. Find me on Facebook. I'm friends with Lee. And, uh, you know, find me uh, anywhere you can find me online. But mainly my website has all my contact information. Uh, I read every email. I looked at almost every tweet. I look at all my friends' requests from Facebook. So I'm a pretty accessible guy. Just make sure that you have a purpose. That's yeah. it. So I hate yeah. I hate people with a you know, with a purpose like, well, I need an idea for a blog. It's like I can't help you. If you don't have an idea to start with, I can't give you that idea. But I'll help your idea be better, you know. Yeah, I'll steal, I might steal that line because I get some people like that too. So thank you so much for sharing for so me. much. Yeah, so much wisdom. I feel like I'm much smarter just having talked to you. So thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show and hope to have you on any episodes to come. Thank you. Anytime. And I appreciate the time from you. And uh, we'll see you next time, I guess. Yeah, I'll see you. <laughs>